You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Tillit NYC, hospitality uniforms for work and life. Look better, feel better, cook better. Visit us at tillitnyc.com. That's T-I-L-I-T-N-Y-C.com. Welcome to The Build, a new season of Opening Soon. We're your hosts. I am Jenny Goodman. And I'm Alex McCreary. Got that one right today. You want to tell us where we were previously on The Build? Sure. If you listened to the first episode, which we hope you did, then you're here for round two. Uh, we let you know last time who our mystery guest was that we'll be following all season long, uh, Mr. Eric C. And we learned about his journey in food from... Uh, a tiny airport where he was working in Albuquerque at the ripe young age of 11, all the way to current day, which is a New Mexican spot in Brooklyn known as Ursula. And he is going from the first iteration of that to a new location, new space, bigger space, added service hours and all that good stuff uh, with Ursula, what we're calling 2.0. Okay, so today we're going to hop right back into the thick of it. You know, we've been recording with Eric since November, and we're at the end of March here. So we're going to discuss what happens when you spend time that you may not have when you're building out that dream brick-and-mortar space. Yeah, we're um, currently at the stage of waiting for a lease to be sent over to me for review by my lawyer which then hopefully we'll be signing next week. Woo! That's currently where we stand uh, after a lot of ups and downs of this process. If you're one of the brave souls that's taken any kind of renovation, be it part of your house or even felt the effects of a repavement of your work routes, I can bet you know the distinct feeling of equal parts frustration and disbelief at just how long things can take. Even when you're doing DIY style like I do. <laughs> things get delayed, things get pushed back. Problems arise. Problems arise. There's always trouble. The piece that you wanted isn't there. Supply chain issues. Yep. You got to make another run to Home Depot. How many runs Shit to happens. Home Depot? <laughs> <laughs> Alex's favorite store. Before we let Eric tell you where Ursula is hopefully putting down roots, let's hear from him just how wild the process has been to get to today. What led up to November 2022? The whole process for where we're at, I started in February of 2022. I had to be out by the end of December, but my optimistic goal was to be out of Sterling by September and be settled into a new space by October, November so that we'd be ready for the holidays. So that was the original goal. Here we go. Space number number one. one. Yes. So Eric knew that they needed money so they could start expressing interest in spaces. That's when he started a GoFundMe, and the initial goal was to get 60 k but they raised $26,000 in cash, and with that cash on hand, they could start looking for a new home. In March of last year, a year ago, like through the 11th and through 27th of March 2022, I was walking through and going through inspections with a space on Franklin just around the corner from Ursula. It was a, used to be Bunsmith, 
had a lot of really beautiful infrastructure, a huge basement, huge walk-in. I was really excited about that. The rent was uh, right where we needed it to land. Sent in paperwork, and there was just kind of radio silence for a little while. And the building's broker on March 30th was like, oh, sorry, I haven't answered you since March 11th. The landlord passed away. Um, and I was like, oh, damn, like, that's really unfortunate. Send my regards to his family and take some time if we need. I've got a little bit of time to work with right now. And then two days later, she was like, actually, he's alive. I misspoke. Um, I went by the office. He's alive. He's just been sick. Um, and I think that they're preparing for him to pass. <laughs> and yeah, I, it it's was not funny, but it's like, yeah. it's yeah, it, it was though. And it wasn't at the same time. It was like, what, how do you just accidentally say somebody died and you're her and you're their broker? <laughs> um, but she must have been surprised when she walked in and he, he, was, <laughs> he was still, still alive. Yeah. So then in April, um, April 1st, she was like, all right, so we're like back on track. Like he's alive. He's we're we'll get this back on track. And then April 2nd, um, she's like, okay, he did die now. He did pass away. So on March 30th, he had passed away. And then on March 31st, he had come back to life. And then on April 2nd, he had passed away again. Um, and I was like, okay, that's, again, it's very, please, my regards to the family. I don't even know how to receive this information. This is a roller coaster for me. I can't imagine what the family's going through. Uh, I was like, okay, I'll wait, give them some time to, to grieve. Eric waited until early May to check back in. And all the conversation up until then was that we were still like the chosen tenant or ideal tenant for the space um, once they got the conversation rolling again. May 4th, the the mother didn't want us in the space specifically because there was a uh, fast food Mexican restaurant in one of their other buildings like a block and a half away and she didn't want us competing with her other tenant. And I was like, well, can we express to you what our actual concept is? We're completely different from them because we have a pastry program, espresso, we'll be open for dinner, we'll have alcohol. None of that stuff is part of their program. And also, we're two different culinary identities. And so I sent her a business deck and a plan to express uh, how we would differ, but also what we're offering um, and how the food and culture is different. Um, and the, then she was like, all right, we'll consider... May 25th, they still hadn't answered. June 1st, the broker stopped answering us. And then um, June 3rd, my broker was like, I think it's a bad deal. I think it's dead. And then on June 9th, their broker came back and was like, all right, back on. So in June, where we ended up is that after three months of back and forth, Eric has no clarity as to whether or not he would actually get the lease. It seemed like the landlord was more familiar with residential real estate, and they started to request very unusual financial disclosures, like investors' bank statements, which is totally not normal. I've never heard that before. And so I asked the broker, I was like, how much money do they need to see in the bank account? Like, what is it that she's missing from us? And the fact that we were profitable in our first year, we have the the sale, the proven sales rec, uh, revenue and track record to 
be a ideal tenant for this space and we're already in the community um so it's not like a new business is starting and they said three hundred thousand and i said okay so three hundred thousand dollars is the magic number if i have three hundred thousand dollars in my bank account we can sign this lease they said yes so that's i was like i can get this money but we have to use it right away um because the only way for me to do it is through very predatory uh payment processing quick loans uh so i asked the broker i said just make sure because it's going to cost me ten thousand dollars to execute this loan and they were like they said it's all good and i was like great i take out this loan i borrow a little bit of money from my family that i then have to give back um because they were just putting it in my account to prove that i had three hundred thousand dollars um so i did that i took out the loan and sent them a screenshot of my bank account with over three hundred thousand dollars in it and then they stopped answering and uh, we just never heard back. Just ghosted me. The first space. I mean, it was very unfortunate, the timing of the landlord, but you knew that one was like sort of cursed from the beginning, from the way that he talked about it. But I know it was such a great location because it was so close to the original Ursula. So it would have been really seamless for the community that they've already built there. Yeah, I think it's tough because it, in a lot of ways it sounds like that space would have been a great opportunity. And I think that um, Eric did everything he could to get into it. Um, but some things just aren't meant to happen. So I think that, that space number one was, um, unfortunately, that scenario. Space number two. July 7th of last year, I saw a spot in East Williamsburg on Metropolitan. It was... Um, a functioning business. The chef owner was looking to get out of it because they wanted to have a child and he was just looking to get out of restaurants. They were asking for 180000 for key money, which was exceptionally high at that space, but also at that time in the market. So you've heard us talk a lot about key money and um, what is a reasonable expectation for that. And I think that can really vary depending on what's in the space. But essentially, key money is the thing that people will put down as a deposit for the assets that are already contained within a space. So Alex, what would be some examples of that from our past experience? That could be anything from stoves and ovens, refrigeration, venting that's in place. And it's usually an opportunity for a landlord to get a little more out of it and chances are good that the previous tenant may have defaulted on their lease or not been able to complete the lease and so again it's an opportunity for the landlord to collect some of that and it's also can be you know advantageous to the to the new owner to the new business coming in Uh, again depending on what it is and how much it costs obviously but I would say a general estimate is anywhere from a hundred thousand dollars to half a million dollars depending on the size of the space and the scope of what's inside. It was a little small. It was definitely going to be changing the concept from... The space on Franklin was big, um, and it had a lot of seating space and a ton of prep space. This one was going to be shrinking that by, like, 75%. But I had just done the residency at the Standard, and we had done this, like, small plates bar food concept in there, and I really loved that idea. So I switched the concept to be less formal and to be a little more casual in small plates. And so I was like, this place will work. And I was kind of ready for a change of environment. I was not looking forward to having to commute to work because Ursula 1.0, I can walk to. So for Eric, he found a space that was asking for 
for key money. And he did initially offer 90K, but the owner got a higher offer. And so Eric eventually comes back and agrees to $150,000 for that space. On August 24th, we were in a good place for sealing the deal. But then they started pressurizing me into signing. Over the next two weeks, they continued to move forward with the deal, but something seemed a little bit off. The real estate brokers had said that they were not in a rush, but then they started to pressure Eric uh, into signing a lease without giving him time to review the paperwork or any of those sort of details. Again, I would say that that is definitely unusual. Red flag. And then on September 6th, the owner of the restaurant backed out and canceled. And he had decided that he didn't want to work with that brokerage anymore because he didn't trust them or didn't think that they had both of ours best interest in in mind. And I was like, well, I trust my broker who works for him. And I really need to get this deal done. (laughs) Like, I've already wasted six months. So September 7th, I had drinks with him and his wife, and they agreed to put the deal back on the table so long as we went through Luis, my broker. We put in an offer on September 14th. And then September 26th, he sent a text to my broker that the deal was off again. So I reached out to him. I was like, Brett, what is going on? Like, we've done this twice, and I've spent two and a half months and a lot of money inspecting this place. And apparently he was just really upset with the brokerage and didn't want to work with them. And his lawyers had advised him not to do a deal with me outside of his contract with the brokerage. Because he could get sued. Mm -hmm. So that was the second spot that I had spent months working on and a lot of money and it was the rug was pulled out from underneath me I almost gave up on that one space number two I could say was a little bit more of like a a big red flag that that one was clear that that wasn't going to be good either way what do you think it sounds like the brokerage there were there's some like shysters in that um for lack of a better word and that's also a bad sign when like the landlord and the broker seem scammy. It's usually your sign to run the other way. There's a reason they say third time's a charm, right? Third time's a charm. And here we go. Space number three. So at the end of September, space number three, Eric found yet another possibility on Craigslist because there's always going to be another one. The building had passed his initial inspections, but he was concerned about the ability to serve alcohol. And I checked to see if the landlord was going to allow a, a liquor license in there. And he was like, yeah, as long as it's not a bar. And I was like, I don't, I don't want a bar. Don't worry. And I said, I, but I do need to sell alcohol. And he was like, okay, as long as it's not a bar. And I said, it's, I don't want a bar. It's a restaurant, but we have to sell alcohol to pay this rent. Did a walkthrough October 3rd with Simon and the designer and started sketching stuff out October 7th. And that's where my journal stops, because I think that's when we started recording. Perfect. So. Cool. It's not done yet. (laughs) It's not over yet. (laughs) Have you just heard from Eric? He's been on quite a roller coaster of a journey so far just to get the space that he's in now. However, the lease is not yet signed. So stay tuned to see if this is actually Ursula's forever home. Let's find out after the break. Uh, normally that break is for me running to the bathroom, but instead we're going to tell you about Tillit NYC, which is our uniform company, our baby. We started Tillit about 10 years ago. I can't believe it's been that long. And since then we've outfitted 
hundreds of thousands of chefs across the country and work with over 6,000 restaurants. Alex, do you want to tell our listeners why we started Till It? Sure. So basically, we started it out of need and out of something that uh, I felt like was necessary in the industry. I had been a chef for uh, nearly 20 years and was essentially tired of wearing the clothes that were provided. I didn't feel good in them. I didn't feel proud of who I was in my career um, and felt like better options that were more functional, that were better designed, that were more contemporary, uh, were very necessary in this industry. I can't believe I went out with you wearing those old baggy chef pants and chef coat when we first met 20 years ago. Yeah, but look at us now. Now Look at us now. We're nice and outfitted well and awesome uniforms. And and we make everything from uh, work pants, work jackets, aprons, chef coats, shirts, the whole nine, right? So if you're interested in getting some fresh gear for yourself or for your team, give us a visit at tillitnyc.com. That's T-I-L-I-T-N-Y-C.com. Today is Tuesday, November 15th. We are fresh off uh, midterm elections, and we are just approaching our first uh, cold weather week here in New York. This is starting to feel a bit like winter. It's been two weeks since we spoke to Eric, and we're back to see how, if he's got that final leash yet, and what else is new. The anticipation is killing me. Uh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, shit. I can't believe it's even, it's been two weeks already since we've spoken. Because I, I feel like a lot has happened and simultaneously nothing. So tell us the details of the, of the space. It's in bed It's not far from uh, the current location of Ursula. I, it'd be a, a good walk from there, but you could even walk there from Ursula. Um, it has a backyard, which is exciting. Um, we are looking to get a full liquor license there, which will be new for us. And it'll have indoor seating. So it was important to me to be in specific neighborhoods that are close to our current customer base, also that are close to our current staff and myself. I could walk to this space uh, from home as well. And that quality of life after living in New York for 12 years has become paramount to many things for me. So I was looking for a space that was close by for a rent that wasn't going to put so much pressure on us to perform that we stop caring about the the comfort of our own bodies in the space um, in order to keep up with production. I'm coming into this without investors, kind of using whatever money has been made in the last year at our current space to reinvest in this. And then some some bank loans currently is how I'm going to be funding it. So I needed a place that we could walk into and still make it very discernibly Ursula, um, but not have to build from the ground up because I didn't have $300,000 to invest in the first six months of this business. What do you do while you're waiting for, aside from running your current business, what do you do while you're waiting for this lease to come back? Are you still looking for other spaces in case this one falls through? Are you working on other parts of the business and sort of modifying it like you're talking about from gas to electric and sort of change all those plans? Saying prayers. Yeah, right yeah, Right now, I'm not looking at any other spaces. I don't think I have the mental bandwidth to lose this space. Uh, <laughs> all of our eggs are literally in this basket. <laughs> 
after after the what I've the amount of time and money that I've spent um, investing into taking other leases this year, um, if I don't get this one, I don't. There's, I, it's not meant for me. If this one doesn't go through, then the whole I think everything has to be uh, kind of re envisioned in terms of timelines and closing because there's no way I'll get anything else uh, ready in time at this point. We're really up against the wire. Since we last spoke, I I had to get some some questions answered from my architect from the SLA because uh, one we had a meeting um, me and the landlord about some of the term sheet and one of the really frustrating part of this process with this specific landlord is that this is his first um, commercial lease that he's really ever done the the restaurant before me was the first one and then I'm I'm the second one that he's ever worked with. So he doesn't fully understand kind of the industry standards for leasing a, a restaurant space. Some of it can be a little contentious. He gets a little uh, a little mansplainy sometimes, um, but not fully. But not fully understanding um, this the the process itself. Uh, he just learned what a letter of intent was. He had never heard of that. He had only wanted to offer us one to two months of free rent and. I was like, that's that's really not going to work with the permits that you want me to get. That's going to take three months at least. Like, I can't even open for three months. Um, and so then he had some talk with his lawyer, who apparently represents thousands and thousands and thousands of restaurants in New York City. I don't know what kind of company he has. Uh, maybe the Rockefellers or the Vanderbilts. But uh, they had come up with this weird term where they were going to amortize the free rent. And so he sent me back a term sheet that was like, well, here's three months free rent. And then you can pay it back over 56 months. Um, and I was like, that's, I was like, that's not, I was like, that's not free rent. Yeah. That's, def- that's called deferred rent. Yeah, not, I know. <laughs> not, not a rent concession. There's a difference. Yeah. So he was like, well, I just, I'm making an investment and I just, it's a, it's a security deposit for me. And I was like, no, that's what the security deposit is. (laughs) I was trying to explain to him, I'm putting down a larger security deposit because I don't have a guarantor, um, which I've told him from the beginning. And I'm going to personally guarantee it. So I was willing to do a larger security deposit since I don't have stacks of cash. Uh, So it's a six-month deposit, which is pretty high. Wow, six months. Oof. Yeah. Then he had all kinds of different plans where uh, he was like, well, you could take one month free rent at the f- beginning of it, and then we could give you another free month next year, and then another free month in the third year. And I was like, that, I was like, <laughs> like that's what, I was like, he, he said, we did that for our last tenant. And I was like, I, that doesn't make any sense to me. All your costs are front loaded. So I no, I don't want to break that up. I need it at the front. He had a couple other weird plans. And he was like, well, I'm giving you four or five options. And I was like, those are options that work for you. Those are, don't have my my needs and uh, best interest at mind. So you're giving me options that don't work. So that's, that's not really giving me options. We've moved past that. But the new hurdle that we started facing a week and a half ago was that if I used the backyard that he was not going to allow me to play music back there. 
People can just sit silently outside. Yes. No vibe. Which I don't, I don't need to have a dance party back there or I don't even really want to play aloud. But to have a full out restriction like that to me just sounds like. It's hard to agree to for in perpetuity at the least too. Yeah. Cause it, it, it gives, it doesn't give me enough agency and gives them a little too much control over how we're operating. And I just kind of see it as being um, a, a good portal for a lot of micromanaging about the noise back there. And I also told him, I was like, that's just not like our brand was built outside. It's a backyard is a really wonderful, safe space for queer and trans people to be able to gather. Um, that's out of the rest of like the public eye. Um, and music for me is integral to the ambiance of a restaurant, but also to celebrating the joy and resilience of the queer community. And that's part of our, that's part of our brand. And that would be taking the soul out of our intention and our, and our brand moving forward for the next five years. And I was like, I'm okay with like talking through some standards and like certain noise levels and hours of operation and that kind of thing. It was like, but a full restriction will not work for me. When I explained to him the importance of having music as a celebration and, and a form of resistance um, and, and being able to, to convene joyfully as with the queer community, that it was an important factor for me. And his response was, well, I live in Clinton Hill and there's plenty of restaurants where people gather um, outside and they don't use music. I was like, here we go. Uh, <laughs> that, I was like, that's fine for them. This isn't Clinton Hill. That's not my brand. Not like, my brand. I get all yeah. that. And uh, I also, I don't expect him to understand what music means in terms of celebration for the queer community because he's not part of it. But uh, to just be like, well, other people do it without without music. I don't know why you can't. That, just a, a lot of like gaslighty energy like that during the conversations. Mm-hmm. Well, we met in person again and I got to explain more of it to him. And he had seen a picture of our pride brunch where we had a DJ and he was like, I'm just afraid of that. That's what you're asking for. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't want that. And I don't want to be out late. I don't want to be up late anyway. Um, but I was like, I'm not going to say that I wouldn't want to do that for pride. Like that's a very special like we could work with very open lines of communication on when any of that kind of stuff would happen. And are you feeling less optimistic about closing this out or? I would say that there were a couple points in the last three weeks that I thought that this is not going to work out and I'd be back on the hunt, but he has agreed to not try to amortize the free rent anymore. Um, <laughs> That's a big win. That's a big victory. I mean, yeah, I, yes, except that it shouldn't be a win because it's not even real. <laughs> this is like such a telling example of like how whether you want it, whether you want them to be or not, your landlord is in some ways your business partner, and they put guardrails off that like as you develop the relationship, it would hopefully change. Um, so I hope that for you, but. It, I mean, this is all great progress. So you you did you did get somewhere in the last you know three weeks. So then, what's what are next steps with him now? So once we sign the term sheet, which should, uh, from the looks of it, should probably happen in the next couple of days. Yes. Then he'll send over the lease from his lawyer. I'll have my lawyer look it over, and it'll probably go back once or twice. 
and then I would sign. But then, yeah, I would start submitting as much paperwork as possible to get ahead of the holiday season and to start getting building permits and work on that liquor license. There's a lot that I still have to wrap my head around because I'm completely changing the, the business structure by moving out of here. So I've got to I've got to start planning like what service will look like, what those hours will be, what the menu will look like. Quick editor's note: for this interview, everybody was speaking remotely, and towards the end of the conversation, the call got disconnected. So when they got back on, Eric's voice sounds a little different, but we wanted you to know that this is a continuation of the same conversation. I'm thinking that based on the fact that this negotiation has taken a little longer than planned. I I also I didn't want to rush it um, as much as I need to rush it because then there's too much ambiguity and then it ends up being a situation where he thinks he told me something and it wasn't there and then we're like fighting. So I just want everything just out in the open, very transparent. So I've been taking my time with the negotiation, but I think I'm gonna see about maybe extending through January, staying here in January. Um, because we normally close for the holiday as well. And I think that it would, we'd have to then just be closed from like December 24th through February. And while I think that I could make that work for the business, my staff would be out of work for a long time. And we don't currently have the budget to be able to just put everyone on hold and pay them. So I think that I might do our seasonal closing operate here through the end of January, if I can get that to be allowed, and then maybe aim to move in February. I was, I, I thought about texting you guys a couple weeks ago and being like, listen, I don't know if this is gonna work out for your, for your, for your schedule. <laughs> I don't know when you're trying to wrap this recording up, but um, we might need another six months. It's okay. We're here. We're here we for no you for the time. long so We're, we're rooting for the, for the fast track for you, but we can be here as long as necessary. Coming up next on The Build. I just get a lot of energy from that. And, and working with him, like we just have the banter and we, you know, we... We set a tone for hospitality with the staff and with the guests that I just think is really wonderful and really special. And, um, you know, running restaurants like being parents, you guys know, it's like they're looking at you and your energy is really what's setting the tone. I hope that I'm not in negotiations still. If it's not signed by next Tuesday, then I feel like there's definitely a bigger hurdle than we're anticipating in this conversation right now. The Build is produced by Armin Spingen, Taylor Early, Matt Patterson, Alex McCreary, and me, Jenny Goodman. And a special thanks to Eric C. and Lonnie Holiday for all of their willingness and time to share with us on this journey. A very special thank you to the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and the Culinary Arts for their support of Taylor's work as the Julia Child Writing Fellow. Our audio engineer for this episode is Matt Patterson. This program is supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. Opening Soon is powered by Simplecast. Opening Soon is a production of Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you, 
keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe. That was June 30th. Uh, in late September, their broker came back and was like, it's still empty. And I think that they would consider you um, if you resubmit everything. And if you change your concept a little bit. And I was like, get get out of here. <laughs> Do not talk to me. Change my concept. Uh, yeah, start a new business, change my concept. And resubmit all of that? No, don't talk to me. Hi, HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers. And we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.